plastic straws apparently and they are going into the floor as in they have just been apparently drilled into the floor oh hi mr cody great new studio space warmbo why warmbo is just setting up a pipeline to get warmbo's corn cream from downstairs so that warmbo can have all the corn cream warmbo wants and not miss cody's company pretty rude not to have corn cream in the new studio you know wait is Corn cream? Why am I bothering with this? This is my desk. I have a receipt. It's somewhere. These plastic straws are blocking the shot in this weird way. Why don't you just get rid of them and also please leave forever? No need to be rude. Wombo has a permit. If Mr. Cody wants Wombo's pipeline gone, Mr. Cody needs to write to his congressman or uh, get signatures or uh, get on a podcast and read the signatures to a congressman. You think you have a permit to pump corn cream into the studio? Yep, pump it right on the floor. I'm getting the taser. <gasps> Silly goat! You will never get anywhere with that kind of aggressive and violent attitude! Ha. You have ten seconds. Yeah, the uh, protest used to be civil, you know? Wombo is gonna make some phone calls! This isn't a protest, you B-list Muppet! Protests don't need to be civil. Sorry you had to see that, folks. Actually, you know what? I'm not sorry about anything, ever. It's good that you saw that. Good for America. And you know what else is good for America? Protesting. The thing this episode is about. Recently, the Tennessee GOP expelled two Democrats from their House of Representatives for participating in a gun control protest occurring at the state capitol. Although there were actually three Democrats from the state house that participated in that protest, one of them was spared from being expelled. Hey, can you guess which one? Why were those two expelled and you weren't? Well, I think it's pretty clear I'm a six-year-old white woman, and they are two young black men. Yeah, America is fun. Now, some have said the real reason why Johnson was spared and representatives Justin Jones and Justin Pearson weren't was because she didn't use a megaphone during the protest. Or maybe they just had too many J names and needed to cut one. Or, you know, racism. It's probably that. And even if that megaphone thing was true, that's still a bad reason. Sure, megaphones are disruptive, but they aren't destructive unless you count that one Simpsons gag. Surely, there has to be some other reasoning why the GOP members voted to expel those specific J's, but not the other J, right? I mean, besides the racism? Or the fact that they were specifically protesting their colleagues' inaction on gun control. Is there any other gosh darn reason they claim this expulsion happened besides spite? That's why you're standing there, because of that temper tantrum that day, for that yearning to have attention. That's what you wanted, but you're getting it now. So I just advise you, if you want to conduct business in this house, file a bill. Be recognized, stand there and present it, and pass it. All you got to do is pass a bill. You see, all he had to do is pass a bill about gun control. 
in Tennessee, in a house that's over 70% Republican and plans to do absolutely nothing about gun violence. It's that simple, folks. And being a part of this protest is apparently just a temper tantrum for attention. You know, because good protests are the ones that get zero attention. Call me wacky balls McBeef, but this idea that change should exclusively come from within the system only works if that system also works. And considering that the Tennessee GOP is refusing to enact gun control laws, and in fact are helping the gun industry when public opinion in the state shows that most people want gun control, well, then that system is broken. You can't purposefully ignore democracy and then wag your puffy digit when people look for solutions outside of the system. And that's assuming that protesting is outside the system, which I would argue is not the case. So it really seems like they have purposefully created an impossible situation and are now punishing and talking down to these people for not simply giving in, something that isn't lost on these expelled lawmakers. How many of you want to be spoken to that way? We're not talking about politics. We're not talking about even gun violence. How many of you would want to be spoken to that way? The reason that I believe the sponsor of this legislation, of this resolution, spoke that way is because he's comfortable doing it. Because there's a decorum that allows it. Pearson is right. It really seems like the Tennessee GOP are using this superficial idea of etiquette as a bludgeon, and it is superficial. After all, there's nothing polite about ignoring gun violence, even if you do it while speaking in a calm voice. And this act of hiding behind decorum gets even more obvious when you see this next clip. Let's talk about expulsion. For years, one of your colleagues who was an admitted child molester sat in this chamber no expulsion. One member sits in this chamber who was found guilty of domestic violence. No expulsion. We had a former speaker sit in this chamber who is now under federal investigation. No expulsion. We have a member still under federal investigation. No expulsion. We had a member pee in another member's chair in this chamber. No expulsion. Right. It's hard to think this is about being polite and following proper decorum when they didn't care about Captain Pisschair and Mr. Molester, titles that can accurately describe real events involving Republican Tennessee lawmakers. So it just feels like plain old bullshit, as does most finger-wagging from the GOP when it comes to these conversations about politeness. So this specific event is a pretty good microcosm of what we'll be talking about in this video. Luckily for Jones and Pearson, they were both ultimately reappointed. But this isn't the only incident wherein those in power try to shame protesters for not doing things the right way. Hey, be more humble when asking not to be deported to a country you didn't grow up in. So rude. Don't heckle Ann Coulter when she's speaking at your college that might have been paid for with your tuition dollars. Don't take a knee during the national anthem, Colin Kaepernick. The only time it's appropriate to take a knee is to run down the clock to finish the the game. So if all of those methods are apparently the wrong way to protest for a cause, what's the right or correct way for the public to properly and effectively express discontent to those in power? 
Seems like a, a bit of a puzzle since politicians will attempt to block their critics on social media, barricade themselves in their office, or even, allegedly, hide on a fucking rooftop rather than face their constituents. Other politicians want to limit the reach of the press that could help get answers or a response because they're afraid of possible confrontation and potential messages that they don't like. Hell, President Joe Biden doesn't address the press much either, which is weird because old people usually love being on the news. But those are bigger, sleepier fish. They tell us to think globally, act locally for stuff like government change or saving the planet or starting a cult. So I guess we should start with our local city and state councils, right? That way we can do some change on a small scale and watch it magically grow like those pills that you submerge in water and turn into sponge dinosaurs that smell weird and taste weird too, I'm told. Second Simpsons reference right there. Good for you for watching. But more and more of these council meetings throughout the US are closed to public comment or make their meetings Zoom only to give the moderators an ability to limit or ban chat, which also limits accessibility to only those with internet access. They also limit accessibility in general by taking away phone options or changing meeting times to ones that make it harder for regular people to attend due to typical workday hours. And even if you jump all those hurdles, they can still cut your speaking time. Or they have the power to just ban or punish you for being disruptive, which seems pretty subjective and generalized. Look, I know that public forums might be filled with people that seem off-putting or hell-bent on discussing unimportant matters to get personal attention, or at least that's how pop culture portrays them. Sometimes they might be vampires or Simpsons reference number three. It's your children's future. Oh, yeah, children, children, yes. children are important. It'll cost you. Yeah. I'm sure that's the image in their minds every time they add a new hurdle to this process or just get rid of town hall meetings altogether. But now that this avenue has been kneecapped and ostracized, anyone looking to enact change is left with two possible choices. Either wait and hopefully, maybe, eventually vote in people who can undo or stop the thing, perhaps after the next election cycle if we're good little voters, unless your area is gerrymandered again, or, you know, freaking protest. Not because it's fun or for attention, but because there's no other way. Are protests disruptive? Sure are. That's the point. But that's what happens when you take away all the non-disruptive tactics, isn't it? The bullhorn is all we have left, which of course makes it especially frustrating when they are now complaining about all the noise. Because we're now seeing this weird push against protests. This idea that modern demonstrations are somehow more uncivil than they used to be. And while they tend to be the loudest, it's not just the right saying this. Even the people who believe in the causes will often claim that certain tactics will hurt the cause or create these weird moral lines about what is and isn't off limits. There seems to be this vague idea of the correct way to protest that's now bouncing around everyone's minds. And so this episode is going to explore that. After the break, we're going to talk about what the supposed rules are to protesting and figure out the, if any, so-called right way to, I see you down there. Oh, hi, 
Mr. Cody, Wombo is just rebuilding the corn cream pipeline so that Wombo and Cody and everyone else can get all the corn cream they need. So you're just going to keep doing this. You're not mad or... Wombo believes in forgiveness. And Wombo forgives Cody for doing violences against Wombo. Violence? I never touched you. I, I threatened violence, which is different. You used violence against Wombo's property, which makes you and what you represent bad. But <sighs> Wombo forgives. Yes, he does. Does Mr. Cody want to sing a song with Wombo about how Wombo forgives Mr. Cody? Okay, thanks. Yes, so this is what I'm talking about. Thank you, Wombo, for demonstrating what a dumb shit thinks. And actually, Wombo, so I have some corn cream for you to apologize. And so maybe you should go get it. It's outside, so go outside and lock the door behind you when you leave because. Cody gets scared. Okay. Wombo trusts Mr. Cody and forgives him. Wombo will be right back. Boy, he is so simple. So I'm going to go put a bunch of stuff in front of my door. And why don't you watch ads while that happens? Hey there, butt lovers. We love our warm butts, but they are both a curse and a blessing, especially in the summer when our butts get even warmer. Why, some days I'll wrap a brisket in tin foil and shove it in there for a few hours and bam, steamed brisket. And to clean the oven, so to speak, I'll use the Hello Tushy bidet. It gets all up in there on those hot barbecue days. In fact, Hello Tushy Bidet cleans your bum two times better than wiping and prevents poo particles from spreading to your hands and everything you touch. Yummers! People love coming to my barbecue. Or rather, they did last year. This year, they all seem to be busy. I don't know why. I can't wrap my mind around it. Listen here. These Hello Tushy Bidets don't require any additional power or plumbing. You can just hook them right up to your Diana or Steve or whatever your toilet is named. And every Hello Tushy Bidet comes with a 60-day risk-free guarantee and a 12-month warranty. Jeez, that's probably why they have over 100,000 five-star reviews. So why don't you go to hellotushy.com forward slash more news and use promo code more news to get 10% off plus free shipping on your first bidet order. That's hellotushy.com slash more news for 10% off. Ask me about my butthole barbecue. Hi, I'm Katie and welcome to this ad for ExpressVPN because using the internet without ExpressVPN is a little like driving without a seatbelt or leaving your car unlocked or hopping a fence without pants on or grave robbing without a mummy talisman. I'll never do any of those things ever again. ExpressVPN will make it so that internet service providers can't see your sell your data. It blinds them from it, much like how I blinded that cemetery guard by throwing a talisman in his eye. Now I have all the bones I could possibly use. Too many bones even. The point is ExpressVPN will protect your information and is also very easy to use. Just a touch of a button on any of your devices, so give it a try. Protect your online privacy by visiting expressvpn.com slash more news today. That's E-X-P-R-E-S. 
ExpressVPN.com slash more news and you can get an extra three months free. ExpressVPN.com slash more news. I lied. I lied. I can never have too many bones. Hey, we're back. Warmbo is pawing under the door like a hungry cat, but we can't hear him, can we? We're safe. For now. And we were talking about how those in power tend to criticize protesting. Specifically, how protesters aren't doing it the right way. So I guess the question is, what is the right way to protest? What are the preferred rules? Is there an FAQ near the back of the Constitution? The GOP and Democrats certainly don't have a straight answer, but apparently the American Civil Liberties Union does. I mean, obviously this is subjective, but let's see what they have to say. For starters, the ACLU states that all types of expression are allowed in public spaces, but can be subject to time, place, and manner restrictions by government officials and the police. So you can say what you want, but you might still have to make an appointment, stay in one place, and behave in a certain way. Or maybe you don't have to. Or maybe you just can't at all. It's as clear as corn cream, which I sure hope is the same as creamed corn. Otherwise... <laughs> Let's keep looking through these guidelines. Where should we protest? Well, per the ACLU, we should be able to protest within public streets, sidewalks, and parks. Well, that's true in theory for now, but there have been multiple bills pushed by the GOP to have motorists able to legally get away with running over protesters, so these rules might need a quick update. And more on that later. And do we need a permit? Well, according to the ACLU, no. And yes, sometimes. Also, you might need to pay a fee to exercise your freedom of speech, which could help cover the overtime pay for the cops that will be present there. You know because we all know how police presence usually prevents violence. Time, and time, and time, and time, and time, and time, and time again. But hey, the ACLU says if you feel that your right to free speech is being violated by a cop, or you feel threatened by a police officer, just go ahead and ask to talk to their supervisor. Maybe you won't get maced, tear gas, clubbed, or shot for merely asking for the manager. If you're white, I mean. And if you're polite. And if you make sure to have detailed documents that prove that you know the law better than the cop, who will pretend that they know the law. So, yeah, the ACLU means well, but this proves that even the right way to protest still, still sounds kind of wrong. And it's just as risky as if you didn't follow these rules at all. But the big rule that most people tend to agree with is the need for nonviolent protests. We hear it all the time about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and his nonviolent history, and how he's the gold standard of what protests should be. We actually did an entire episode about this subject, specifically that MLK is often invoked by Republicans in what I would call disingenuous ways. When I hear people, you know, scream Black Lives Matter, I'm thinking, of course they do. But all lives matter. It's not that any life matters more than another. That's the whole message I think that Dr. King tried to present. And I think you'd be appalled by the notion that we're elevating some lives above others. Sure, Mike. Civil rights leader Martin Luther King would be appalled by civil rights movements. That makes a lot of sense. Hope your weird variety show's going well, you definitely serious man. 
Mike Yuckaby over there just yucking it up with his little ideas about MLK. But in terms of protesting, it's true that MLK was nonviolent, but he was also really disruptive. Whether you deified him in death or not, King's message was, I have a dream, not I have a permit. Sit-ins were disruptive. The Montgomery bus boycott was disruptive. His multiple marches were disruptive. He organized things that were certainly more disruptive than Colin Kaepernick kneeling during the national anthem. And of course, the people using his name always keep forgetting how King was vilified by the majority until he was assassinated. The ultimate cancellation. People didn't admire his protests at the time they happened. They often tried to make them out to be violent and misguided, and he was harassed by the cops just as much as protesters today. Also, pause the video and read Letter from Birmingham Jail. I will wait. You're back. Cool. That letter was actually in direct response to accusations from eight white clergymen that MLK was inciting violence. In fact, the I Have a Dream speech was, at the time, expected by the government to be a race riot, because it's not like there wasn't violence happening during this time. And in fact, violence played a large part, albeit violence that was often from the police and against the protesters, such as what happened during the March on Selma, which became historical in part due to the brutality inflicted by the cops. There were also the Harlem riots of 1964, which were a direct result of a cop shooting a black teenager. Wow, that sounds familiar, but surely I'm imagining things, or maybe they've solved this issue. Martin Luther King spoke about, quote, urban riots, and let me tell you, his response wasn't to be appalled, specifically when it came to looting and destruction of property. I, quote, Often, the Negro does not even want what he takes. He wants the experience of taking. But most of all, alienated from society and knowing that this society cherishes property above people, he is shocking it by abusing property rights. There are thus elements of emotional catharsis in the violent act. This may explain why most cities in which riots have occurred have not had a repetition, even though the causative conditions remain. It is also noteworthy that the amount of physical harm done to white people, other than police, is infinitesimal, and in Detroit, whites and Negroes looted in unity. Nothing brings people together quite like taking junk. Just like that Sublime song says. Or, you know, Dr. Martin Luther King. But mostly Sublime, which in a lot of ways is the modern Martin Luther King. If 1996 is modern to you. On a similar note, there's a widely cited MLK quote where he accused Malcolm X of having done, and this is the quote, himself and our people a great disservice when it came to speaking about violence. Which it turns out is completely false, as in he literally did not say that, according to the transcript of the Playboy interview that originally came from. But to be effed and bead, MLK did still disagree with a lot of Malcolm X's views, specifically around the use of violence. But the point is that none of this is as clear-cut as anyone using Martin Luther King's words want it to be. You know, because he's dead and we can't ask him. Because someone shot and killed him, and when I say someone, Kinda mean, the FBI, maybe, maybe they did it. Anyway, looting and property destruction often gets mixed into the broader term of violence. And you know, maybe that's not quite right. Property is stuff. It's not alive. I mean, unless we're in a toy story, which, boy. <laughs> we're all going to hell if that's the case. Comparing all destruction of property to violence is probably a tad bit silly. 
But that isn't to say it's never an act of violence. For example, spray painting a swastika on the side of a Jewish temple sure seems like an act of violence in that it implies a violent act. But to file every act of property destruction as violence would drastically redefine many historical moments in this country. So sure, nonviolence is generally good. Most protests ideally don't become violent, but we can say that so long as we understand the parameters of what constitutes actual violence. And as you can already tell, those lines can be blurry. But here's a broader question. When we talk about defining nonviolence or what it means to be civil in a protest, doesn't it make sense to balance that against what the protest is actually about? Going back to the avenues of communication they have shut off, such as town halls, and combine that with political actions designed to limit human rights, and I'm not sure civility is an option at all. For example, pro-choice advocates gathering outside the homes of Supreme Court justices in the lead-up to their ruling on Roe v. Wade, which, spoiler alert, they overturned, this brought shamey, waggly fingers and shamey, waggly words from representatives on the right and the left. But now, seeing that they've put a map out of the Supreme Court justices' residences and their homes, like, are they encouraging open season on our Supreme Court justices? Like, what's going on here? Yeah. And we know that, that, that these protests can turn into riots overnight very quickly. Um, these people are very angry, and I support the right to peaceful protests and the, and the right to free speech and saying what you want to say, but we should be discouraging this. This can be a very dangerous situation. That was South Carolina Representative Nancy Mace, who was invited to discuss these protests because her home was previously vandalized in 2021, supposedly by left-wing extremists. Or maybe she made it up and vandalized her own home, unconfirmed. Either way, it's just like some paint, a lot of middle school words, so excuse me while I don't get super upset or the vapors. But the idea of protesters literally knocking on these people's doors ruffled a lot of feathers. From Hannity to Democrat Dick Durbin, or D3 as he's called, by nobody! What the fuck?! After all, it's intimidation, as Hannity calls it. What of their children or their privacy? What about their poor neighbors who, well, are also part of the protests? Still, I get it. It's a visceral thing to happen and an upsetting invasion of privacy that can hurt entire families. Like, you know, forcing women to keep an unwanted pregnancy. Not to mention that at least one of these protests, specifically outside of Justice Samuel Alito's home, was done by the group shut down DC because they couldn't contact him at the Supreme Court. So yeah, maybe having some line of communication or even a fucking suggestion box could have curbed things a smidge. But again, we're talking about human rights being decided by an unreachable and ridiculously small group of people who weren't even elected into their position. The fuck else are these protesters supposed to be doing? And ultimately, they're just outside of these homes expressing their discontent on public property. And while picketing and protesting to influence a judge's decision is considered technically illegal due to persuasive intimidation, so fucking what? Again, there's no other option. And you know what's also technically illegal? All the actual crimes of actual assault and battery against actual people done by actual violent protesters at abortion clinics, which rose 128% since 2021. And the patients and doctors at those clinics don't have security detail like justices or politicians do. And if you're really concerned about property, you should see the shit they do to those clinics. Bombings, arson, fucking breaking in and stealing patient files. Seems like that's 
way more concerning than some two bad neighbors Simpsons graffiti shit. That is four Simpsons references. Give me my millennial card. It's just really goddamn hard to pretend to clutch pearls about some fucking spray paint or yelling outside a politician's house when it is in response to laws that are directly killing a chunk of the population. Speaking of which, remember when Maxine Waters inflamed a very volatile situation while waiting for Derek Chauvin's verdict for the murder of George Floyd, which he got convicted for because he murdered him? When she carelessly said something so controversial, so violent, so upsetting, so out of line that the GOP tried to have her censured? Well, we got that offensive clip and hopefully YouTube will allow us to show it before we play it. Please make sure any kids are out of the room. We're looking for a guilty verdict. What should protesters do? Well, we, we gotta stay on the street uh, and we've got to get more active. We've got to get more confrontational. We've got to make sure that they, they know that we need business. Are we, did we get the right clip? What's, what's the issue with this? Really? Get more confrontational? That's what the media ran with as an example of inciting violence? You, you, think that's, you think that's why there was violence during these protests? Because of what Maxine Waters said? Or, you know, maybe all that other shit the cops did. Do we have a clip of that? We sure do. We sure do have a fucking clip of that. Seems a smidge worse than Maxine using the C word. What it comes down to is this. The concept of civility as it relates to protests is actually just defined by a lot of superficial parameters of what politeness looks like, often based on societal norms, even if those norms are terrible. I hate to side with the fucking joker on this one, but I think you understand what I'm saying here. Cops dragging someone to the ground and killing them, for example, is not civil. Cops casually walking by protesters on the ground and just pepper spraying them because you feel like it? It's not civil. But a lot of people have decided that it is because they've also decided that cops are inherently here to keep the peace. Similarly, taking away human rights isn't civil. Or to put an even finer point on it, Taking away civil rights isn't civil, but the people doing it talk very calmly and wear important looking robes you see. And certain people, some of whom sip from liberal tears mugs or sell leftist tears tumblers, love to pretend like their side is civil and calm, while the other side is chaotic and violent, even if the things they are very calmly calling for are fucking horrible. Transgenderism must be eradicated from public life entirely. The whole preposterous ideology at every level. Now, those people clapping might not be throwing a trash can through a CVS window. They might be wearing suits instead of ski masks. But what they are collectively cheering, the idea that a person's identity is some kind of ideology that needs to be eradicated, is not civil. And so ultimately, it seems like civility 
is just a barrier used to drown out or dismiss people of color and other voices of protest, and not just by the GOP. You know, you gotta stress, the Democrats are just as bad when it comes to hiding behind this false idea of civility. And the reason is they know it's true is they won't hush. When somebody won't hush and listen to you, that ain't democracy. They're afraid of the truth. Don't you be afraid of the truth. Don't you be afraid of the truth. Yeah, hush. Another light Batman reference for those who celebrate. Now, that was the former US president and alleged rapist Bill Clinton trying to hand wave protesters criticizing his 1994 crime bill, which unfairly targeted black super predators, wait, children. That bill probably ruined a lot of lives and helped fuel a mass incarceration problem as evidenced by Clinton himself admitting that. But counterpoint, hush. See, I would perhaps argue that the 1994 crime bill is actually less civil than some loud people at a speech, especially since our current President Biden not only helped make that bill, but also doubled down on it in his current administration. And so ultimately, what this all comes down to, as in the calls for nonviolence and civility, is which side is currently deciding to act outraged? Because as we noted, a lot of this came from the right in response to the Black Lives Matter movement. Remember all those years of people grandstanding about disrespecting the flag and blue lives mattering? And then do you remember what happened after that? You know, it's it like right around the time when Trump lost the election. I want to say like, like December, like January, like early January. I'm seeing, I'm seeing the number six. Well, we're going to talk about that next. And not only that, but we might even talk about a thing or two we could learn from those January 6 protesters. How about that for a cliffhanger? You got to sit through those ads now, don't you? In the words of the Joker, Haha! Hey there, friends. You know, it seems like these days, everyone has a mouth. Or, failing that, some kind of face hole. Weird stuff. Mouths are here to stay, it seems. At least for now, there's nothing we can do about this mouth issue. Might as well enjoy our mouths with a big glass of AG1. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to give my mouth something healthy to please it. So when I drink AG1, I'm making sure my mouth doesn't do something I will regret. It's like a vitamin pill, you see. It helps with increased energy and gut health and has a bunch of nutrients. It makes me feel like my mouth has received what my mouth craves. In fact, my mouth demands it. Mm-hmm. And now, just a little note to not put this in the dishwasher. Ah, oh, too much! Take that, mouth! You disaster of a hole! Sometimes, when I wake up, I'll catch my house trying to steal my wallet. So if you want to take ownership of your health, Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash more news. That's drinkag1.com slash more news. Check it out. Do it for your mouth, which we all have for now. Tell me figure something else out. We're gonna figure it out. We're gonna figure out this mouth problem. I promise you, I promise you. 
Hey, so we're back, it seems. That's cool. Warmbo has been eerily quiet out there. Anyway, before the break, we spoke of how a lot of people on the right were balls deep in an appeal for civility and nonviolence that then went completely out the window the moment their weird, meaty president lost his election. It was one of those mask-off moments you normally only see in movies and TV, you know, where the villain just goes bananas and whips out a gun when they could have easily just denied the accusations. Shout out to Alan Alda in Murder at 1600. Also, spoilers for Murder at 1600, a film I'm, I'm pretty sure I've referenced before and will reference again. Point is, the January 6th insurrection and the right-wing reaction to it was such a fantastic display of hypocrisy that it's weird they got away with it. Or maybe it's not weird, but should be weird. But one could argue that you could say the same thing about Democrats who ignored certain acts of destruction during other protests but were shocked by this event. That's certainly what the GOP would say, right? It's the back and forth we always play when it comes to these protests and riots. It's why there are examples of people calling for civility from both sides. And so we need to talk about this from a disgusting nonpartisan standpoint, like some kind of fucking warmbo. But just to be clear, the people who participated in the January 6th insurrection were misled by lies and clearly had more than just destroying property in mind. They were armed with weapons, with some of them facing gun charges. They chanted for and attempted the lynching of a fellow human being. Even if Mike Pence is a Lego man with bird shit colored wicker basket hair, you still don't just run up and kill a guy diorite ass hair. They were wrong is my point. It's not a huge injustice that some of them are seeing jail time. Although I would argue that the politicians who incited it should maybe be seeing bigger consequences. But fun thought exercise. Imagine if they weren't wrong. It's a big let's say, but imagine with your big throbbing brains that the 2020 presidential election was actually stolen. It wasn't. It absolutely was not. So I need you to enter a world of make-believe here. And in that world, Joe Biden teamed up with Italy and the Vatican to use military satellites to rig the election, as well as teamed with Dominion voting systems to use a computer algorithm designed by Hugo Chavez to shift votes on top of widespread voter fraud, I guess as a redundancy to the communist slash Pope Caper, to steal the 2020 election so that he and a non-U.S. citizen can continue a deep state control of the nation, featuring, but not limited to, faking the assassination of Osama bin Laden, murdering a Supreme Court justice, enabling a vast pedophile and baby-eating cabal, delaying the resurrection of JFK Jr., who would reinstate Trump, who in turn is a secret genius single-handedly attempting to take down a vast and evil conspiracy, only to be thwarted by his own VP. And all of that is done by this guy. Well, yeah, and shucks, if all those things actually happened, storming the Capitol wouldn't be all that outrageous of a response, would it? But of course, in this pretend world, the rioters were actually Antifa, but also not Antifa and actually peaceful. We're gonna begin tonight with footage that shows you what was actually happening inside the Capitol. The footage does not show an insurrection or a riot in progress. Instead, it shows police escorting protesters through the building. I feel like I know that guy. Doesn't matter. Point is that, of course, all that conspiracy stuff didn't really happen. 
Unless you count conservative media and President Trump teaming up to push election lies that resulted in violence as a conspiracy, which now that I say it out loud, really seems like one. But my point is that if someone thought all of those lies were true, that this huge conspiracy against democracy was really happening, then violence wouldn't seem like an unreasonable response. Similarly, if you truly thought that abortion clinics were routinely killing babies, you would feel compelled to take action. They aren't, to be clear. Objectively and scientifically speaking, abortion clinics are not killing babies. That's why they were allowed to exist in the first place and should continue to exist. I know that's an entirely different conversation, but we have to point out that a chunk of the people doing unhinged and evil things to and outside of abortion clinics most likely believe that they are saving babies. And they believe that because they were tricked into thinking that. That doesn't excuse their behavior, but the point here is that ultimately, the justification of violence is really subjective to an individual, which of course has nothing to do with facts or reality. Can't stress enough, we are not advocating for violence. We do not want violence. Violence, equal sign, bad. Put it up in big letters. Violence is bad. Violence is bad. Mother no, holy shit. Put up that violence is bad. B-A-D, for fuck's sake. Violence is bad. What is wrong with you? Do it right. No quotes. Violence is bad. Thank you. Wow. This isn't an episode justifying violent protesting. In fact, from just a tactical standpoint, it's statistically better to avoid violence. According to data from a Harvard University project looking at 622 civil resistance campaigns from 1900 through 2019, 56% of all violent protests failed, whereas only 30% of nonviolent protests failed. Adversely, nonviolent demonstrations achieve their entire goal 47% of the time, versus violent protests only doing that 23% of the time. In other words, you are more likely to get all or at least some of what you want if you don't resort to violence. So it's not just morally better to not drag and punch your fellow human into getting what you want, it's also more effective according to research and history too. It makes a lot of logical sense. And there's actually a whole TED talk from one of the authors of the study explaining it and how nonviolent protests are just generally more inclusive and accessible. You know, because old people and kids aren't very good at duking it out with cops. So yeah, violence should be avoided for as long as possible which isn't to say that it can be avoided completely. For example, Founding America sure got violent, I hear. It, of course, depends. And that's ultimately the point I'm trying to make with all of this, that protests and talking about them are, above all else, extremely messy and dependent on a lot of variables, including what is being protested and the validity of the cause. And so to act like there's a rule book or a polite way to protest is bullshit. Protesting shouldn't be polite. In fact, it needs to be disruptive and rude, like Poochie. That's the whole point. Marching in the streets to obscure normal day-to-day -day traffic, picketing in front of a building to make people going in or out uncomfortable, and yes, sometimes even damaging property to put a damper on commerce is how to get attention and be considered seriously when there is no other method left to move for change. And sometimes people will think it's not worth it. People will think the cause is bad or wrong. 
For example, any protest around anti-mask or anti-vaccine misinformation sure seems like a waste of everyone's time. It's frustrating to see a disruption over something that you think is objectively pointless or silly. But by making up rules and finger-wagging on the right and wrong ways to protest, the people in power don't have to address the why of the protest. Having this back and forth over civility really works for them, you know? They would rather have a proxy war over the tactics because it distracts and shields them from addressing the actual change being brought up by the protest itself. So instead of making laws about the thing being protested, they get to make laws about this instead. Proposed Missouri bill would allow drivers to hit protesters blocking roadways. It's igniting controversy over what would be considered a threat to that driver. Fucking nightmare shit. That bill, thankfully, did not pass. But it's not the only law like it, or only example of a politician bravely standing up to support blatant murderers. In fact, along with this newfound lust for vehicular homicide, lawmakers have passed or tried to pass laws designed to make it nearly illegal to have any kind of protest. Arizona tried, but failed, to make it legal for cops to arrest and seize the assets of anyone attending a demonstration that resulted in property destruction. But in Louisiana, they succeeded in making organizers of protests legally liable for anything that happens during that protest. Tennessee, South Dakota, Texas, and Iowa have greatly increased punishments and fines for anyone blocking traffic. South Dakota has also gone after pipeline protests, passing a law that would limit demonstrations to less than 20 people on public lands. Los Angeles has made it illegal to protest within 300 feet of a targeted residence. In Oklahoma, you could face 10 years in prison or a $100,000 fine if you trespass and tamper with critical infrastructure, however the hell they define that. Additionally, any organization associated with the trespass could pay up to a million dollars. There are in fact three states that made efforts to enact harsher penalties for protesting fossil fuel companies. In Oregon, one lawmaker tried to force schools to expel students who were involved in a riot. Another in Missouri tried to make masks at protests illegal. Florida has literally created a new type of crime around protesting that they are calling mob intimidation that would come with no bail and harsher punishments. And in fucking Michigan, the sneakiest little state, they actually tried to pass a bill fining $1,000 a day for the crime of illegal picketing. Not rioting, not destruction, but holding a fucking sign. So much work put into tamping down protesting, as opposed to listening to what the protesters say. This is the end result of the civility debate, a horrifying conclusion somehow justified through a funhouse of twisted logic around pearl clutching and bipartisan finger wagging. These ghouls mindfucked America so hard that they managed to convince people that it was good and right to plow over and shoot protesters rather than be inconvenienced by them. This is somehow the moral high ground because a group of people dared to disrupt everyday society. That's the actual violence. That's the lack of civility. That's the shit we actually need to moralize. So perhaps instead of trying to make rules about how to protest, there should be rules about how to react to protests. You know, step one, was there another way to reach the people in power? If not, maybe we should fix that.
Step two, is what they're protesting based on factual information? If not, maybe we should look at who is spreading that misinformation. Step three, is their response to the problem proportional? If not, maybe it's okay to be critical of the movement, but not in a way that dismisses or belittles the movement. And so on. I don't know, just some ideas pounding out of my skull pillow. It seems better than making it legal to run them over. Oh, hi! What did I miss? Ah! What are you doing here? How did you get here? Why am I asking that? Wombo came in through the corn queen pipeline, of course. That... Straw-sized hole? Wombo can fit through most holes, Mr. Cody. Oh, I hate that. The Corn Cream lubes Wombo good! That's what the Corn Cream is for? God, what is all that? Uh-oh! The Corn Cream pipeline burst! Now Mr. Cody will be lubed like Wombo! Oh, looks like everything resolved itself then. God, it's really filling up. Look on the bright side, Mr. Cody. This creamed corn doesn't taste like creamed crap. And that's number six. Bye, everybody. Is the room going to fill with corn cream? Oh God, oh God, oh no, oh no! Hey everybody, thanks for watching. I'm just here floating on this sea of corn cream. And make sure to like and subscribe the video and make sure to comment on the channel your favorite flavor of corn cream. And also, we've got a patreon.com slash some more news, and we've got merch. We've got a podcast called Even More News, and this show as a podcast. It's called Some More News. You can listen to it if you don't like the sight of corn cream sloshing around the floor. Furthermore, I'm a ghost now, apparently. Woo, I'm drowning in corn cream. Ghosts can drown. That's news to me and you.